This one is hit well to left. Carpenter back. Still back. Gone. Just out of the reach of Kerry Carpenter. It's a two-run home run for Paven Smith as the Diamondbacks take the lead. Corbin Carroll hits a fly ball to right field. Goodbye. Corbin Carroll has tied it up. It's the all-star break for baseball. The good news for the Arizona Diamondbacks is the team is playing well. The bad news is fans still aren't flocking to Chase Field. And part of the problem may be Chase Field itself. After 25 years, it's not new, and it's not a classic. It's too big. They definitely need to do something. Now, supposedly there's all these behind-the-scenes things with plumbing and electrical. I don't know about that, but after, what, 25 years, I'd probably have to fix some stuff. They should quit bitching about it and buy it. Yeah, I think it's fine, and I, no, I don't think they really need to update it, but I'm sure there's a lot of people that do. You know, I kind of like the old, what I first saw when I first started coming here. Sometimes I, I'm not real good with change. That's husband and wife Greg and Cindy Kettle. They've been fans of the D-backs since the team came to town. The team has considered relocating, but that seems off the table. This spring, voters in Tempe rejected an arena deal to create a permanent home for the Arizona Coyotes hockey team. That leaves the long-term future of the Coyotes more up in the air than usual. So where do things stand with our local baseball team, the D-backs? Welcome to The Gaggle, a weekly politics podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. I'm your host, Ron Hansen. I cover national politics for the Republic. And I'm Mary Jo Pitzel. I cover state politics and policy for the Republic. Today, we're talking about the unresolved stadium situation with the D-backs. The team has wanted major upgrades to Chase Field for at least a decade now, or a new stadium altogether that would involve an undisclosed mix of public and team funding. In 2018, the team listened to offers to relocate to Henderson, Nevada. Before this season, team officials said they hoped to know by this summer what path they're taking. It's a tough situation, and, and there's a lot of moving parts. I think all things equal, you know, being downtown makes makes a lot of mm-hmm. sense. We love being downtown with the Suns. There's excitement downtown. But uh, I think if you if you had your choice, you, of course you would love a new ballpark, right? But where does that happen? Where, who's the right partner for that to happen in Maricopa County? The Coyotes' vote, however, seems like a fresh and emphatic reminder that securing public financing might be tricky. No to new apartments, shops, restaurants, and a new home for the Arizona Coyotes. Tempe voters have spoken, appearing to reject a massive project. The Coyotes' future in Arizona now very much in question based on tonight's vote. Here to talk about the situation is Nick Picoro, who covers the Diamondbacks for the Republic. Nick, welcome to The Gaggle. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, let's start with the big question, Nick. With apologies to HGTV, 
Do we have any new sense of where things stand on whether the Diamondbacks plan to love it or leave it? Well, if I had to guess, I think they're just going to have to find a way to love it. I haven't seen any real reason to believe that they're going to be able to find a new home elsewhere in the Valley. I just think it's probably going to be really hard in this climate to get you know, as much funding as it would take to build a brand new ballpark. So I just think that they're going to have to figure out a way to kind of update this ballpark or retrofit it and kind of make it more aligned with kind of the modern standards of, of baseball stadiums. Let's get into this a little bit more. The thing that really triggered our interest, politically speaking, was the developments with the Oakland A's impending move to Las Vegas and with voters' actions in Tempe recently. Uh, how much, if at all, did those factors play into the Diamondbacks' current thinking on their stadium needs and, and what is realistic for them? I don't know the answers to those questions specifically. I have suspicions, though. I don't know that the Oakland stuff has really played much into the Diamondbacks at all. I feel like the last several times that they've talked publicly about what their plans are for a stadium, they've gone to great lengths to make it clear that they weren't looking to leave Arizona. In the past, there were some connections to other places, Henderson, Nevada being one where communications were made public between Derek Hall and some some city leaders there. I don't know if they felt like they faced a lot of blowback from those conversations being public and if, if they felt like you know fans were upset with that possibility. But they've made it very clear that they're only looking locally. I do wonder how the Tempe stuff factors into it, though. I, I sort of feel like it sort of is a little bit of a barometer for what kind of uphill battle they would face to get the sort of funding that they would need to build a stadium. I just feel like it all kind of points back logically to, look, they've, they've got a ballpark that is getting the job done now. The bones are there. They just kind of need to give it a bit of a facelift. That's going to be really expensive to get it to where it has the same sort of amenities and potential revenue streams as some of these newer ballparks. But I think it can be done, and, and I feel like it's just their, their most logical choice at the moment. Nick, I've only been to one game this season so far, despite all the great success that they're having. But talk a little bit about what needs to be done to the stadium. It's 25 years old, I think, uh, this year. What needs to get fixed or upgraded to keep it competitive with where other MLB teams are? I think you have to start with probably the ballpark's defining characteristic, right, which is the roof. It's not technically broken. They can still open it and close it. But when they had an inspection done before last year, the inspectors were concerned about the integrity of some of those cables that they use to pull the roof open and shut. They wouldn't want something bad to happen where one of those cables snaps and who knows what happens while fans are in the building. So they're able to open it and close it and nothing has happened. Um, and they've opened it and closed it dozens and dozens of times. Th this year? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. They just don't do it when fans are, are around. So there have been games where the roof was open before it got as hot as it is now, but they can't have events like a fireworks night where the roof is closed to keep it comfortable for the game and then open it to let people, you know, see the fireworks. So that's the first thing is finding a way to fix the roof. But beyond that, the whole place just kind of needs updating. You know, it's like you walk into your, your grandma's kitchen, right? It just looks like it needs to have a remodel. 
all of the bathrooms look the same way they looked 25 years ago. The the suites look the same way that they looked 25 years ago. Well, in large part, I mean, everything's fine. It's just not such a nice place that you seek out going to, you know, for, for that sort of perspective. I think there's a lot of other things that they can do uh, to kind of get it up to standards, I suppose. If you look at some of these other newer ballparks, you look in Atlanta, one thing that they have is on the kind of field level right behind home plate, they have this enormous club, like a giant restaurant slash bar. Um, you can buy tickets to go down there and watch the game from behind home plate. Um, you can kind of mill around in a, in a very wide open area. The Diamondbacks have a little club lounge. I don't know if you've ever been down there, but it's like dark, hidden. It's under stairs and underneath the main bowl of the stadium, which was kind of a cool idea at the time. But now that we've kind of seen what else can be done, um, I, I think they'd love to do something like that. I think that would be one of the main things that they would do, and they would probably do that at the same time that they updated the visiting and home clubhouses, which is another thing that kind of matters, right? When you're trying to attract top talent to play there, you want to have the best facilities possible for these guys. So those are things that that jump out. I think there's other stuff that's, you know, I, I guess there's going to be structural things the concrete and, you know, just like the bones of the ballpark that maybe need to be sort of reinforced to make sure it's still stable and, and up to code and all that. I think they would also maybe look to kind of create some other open, kind of like the ballpark version of like an open floor plan type of home where like you would take seats out in maybe the upper deck and kind of create this big area with bars and television and, you know, um, people to play cornhole or, you know, whatever it might be, things like that, like a like you'd see at a brewery or something. Give people other things to do at the ballpark and other attractions to like lure them out there, right? They have that same sort of thing at, at Chorus Field, but it's not going to be quite as pretty as it is there because, you know, it's an entirely open air ballpark. The weather is lovely that, you know, during the summers in Denver. So like there's going to be some challenges to make it as appealing as it is in other places. But I, I think those are things that they would like to do. Is the pool a keeper? I would assume so. I would hope so. That along with the roof is the other the other defining characteristic of that ballpark. Nick, you've seen clubhouses uh, across baseball. The spring training facilities that we've seen in Arizona built in the last 10 to 20 years have really upgraded the Cactus League experience for the teams and the players, as you mentioned. How do the facilities for the Diamondbacks compare, for example, for their spring training facilities compared to what they have to use for their home baseball stadium? Yeah, I mean, I think by and large, most everything that's at Salt River is just a step or two up from what they have at Chase Field. It's just a, a newer setup. It's just a nicer setup by and large. I'm picturing what they have at Salt River as like a a workout, you know, gym type of area. And it's it's up against these giant glass doors that slide open when the weather's nice. It's I think there's maybe two stories in there and it's just this it's just this beautiful concept type of room. And I mean I, I've never really stepped foot in the weight room there at Chase Field, we walk by it all the time. The doors are always closed. It's not an area reporters are allowed inside, but it looks more like something you would see at a high school than what you see at Salt River Fields. Team leadership has talked as recently as this spring about 
their willingness to spend money to make stadium upgrades for Chase Field. Do we know with any certainty how much money they want to bring to the table and how much money is needed to actually accomplish something that would be worth doing in terms of a substantial upgrade to the experience that the team wants that applies to either recruiting players or attracting fans? Well, when we talk to Derek Hall and Ken Kendrick back in January and February, they put the number that they would be willing to spend vaguely, but they said hundreds of millions of dollars. So obviously they're willing to make a major commitment or contribution to that. As far as what it would cost to renovate it, Derek Hall put the price tag in the 400 to $500 million range. And, you know, he said something about if you're looking to build a new ballpark, it would probably be double that. I'm not exactly sure, you know, what percentage of it you would expect the team to be paying for out of pocket, what percentage they would be expecting municipalities or, or whatever to kick in and, and how much they think they could raise if they were to kick in that tax district that they have the option of implementing now after a bill passed last year. So there's uh, a lot of different ways, I guess, for them to, to get what they need, um, but it's not going to be cheap. Nick, some of the financing options you mentioned would have a public component. Given what happened in Tempe, where the bid by the Coyotes to get a, an arena built there with some public support failed, how much do you think that's affecting how Diamondbacks leadership is looking at the financial and political landscape right now? Right. The, the climate doesn't seem great, right? I mean, if you're trying to get a ballpark built and you see what happened to the Coyotes across town, and, and that didn't seem... I don't know a ton about it, but it didn't seem like too bad of a deal for the city. But uh, I, I would have to think that they would feel a little bit, a little bit boxed in, a little bit trapped in terms of what their options are. I mean, that said, like they did get that tax district thing passed. They had one of their own lawyers write this bill. They got it uh, through last year, and it would allow them to tax fans all the money spent at Chase Field and be able to put that money toward renovation and development around the ballpark, which is, I think, what makes it such a sweet deal. So going back to Atlanta as a, as a ballpark that constantly gets referenced for like kind of the modern standards, what they have around that ballpark, they have a whole entertainment district surrounding it. They've got hotels, they've got restaurants, they've got you know bars, all that stuff. I think the Dynamax would love to do that. There's not a ton of room at Chase Field, but there is some in the surrounding area. And, and they're talking about trying to build up. So if they could get that, you know, get enough money to, to do that kind of stuff, there's ways to get creative and have Chase Field have a, the, the whole experience of going, going to a game at Chase Field be completely different. Nick, you've seen the stadium competition in Major League Baseball. How bad is Chase Field? And what I mean by that is I think of the situation in Miami before they built a new stadium. It really felt like this is a franchise that didn't fit in, didn't really have adequate stadium needs being met. And there really was a concern about the future of that franchise. That seems like a very distant chapter now in, in their franchise history. How bad is Chase Field and what could it mean if that was altered? I just brought up a list here of, of all 30 teams and, and trying to run through them in my mind. There are some outdated ballparks th that are sort of similar to Chase Field, but not many that are clearly worse. And I don't 
mean to be, you know, trashing Chase Field. I don't think it's that bad of a place to watch a game or anything like that. But when you compare it to some of these newer ballparks and the experiences around them, it falls short, right? But yeah, I mean, you look at Tampa and, and obviously Oakland is is not going to be in the picture anymore. I think Cleveland has a, a bit of an older feel. But like the rest of these, it's either historic ballparks, you know, well-maintained, upgraded, older ballparks, or kind of brand new-ish ballparks built in the last 15, 20 years or, or, or so. I don't, I don't know what kind of an impact it would make. I mean, I think, uh, I think it would probably allow them to attract better players. I don't know that that's a make or break thing, but if it's a, if there's a tiebreaker involved, I, I think it would help. I do think that probably it would allow them to make more money and spend more money on their players. You know, any, anytime you're talking about creating new revenue streams and you know you're you're having to do that because of what these other clubs are doing and and the money they're making and the ability that they have to you know go a few million dollars more on a player that they might want to sign as well. Well, Nick, to answer our opening question, um it seems like the team's going to find a way to to love it at Chase Field rather than leave it. Is there any sense of when we might see some moves toward renovation? Is there any kind of internal deadline? They had said back in January, February, that they would like to see something decided in the coming months. They even said around the middle of the season, which is right around the time we're at now. So I would expect to hear something sometime soon. Keep in mind, if this is the way that they go, it's going to be a long, drawn-out project. When they renovated Wrigley Field, most recently, they they did it in stretches that took five, ten years. You know, digging out under and adding things down below, and and changing various parts of the facility in in waves. I would imagine that that they would do the same thing at Chase Field. It's not the sort of thing you can all you can do all at once because they need to play games there six months out of the year. So the sooner that they figure out what they're going to do, the the sooner they can get started. Well, Nick, thank you for taking time to discuss all this with us. If people want to follow your work, where can they find you on social media? Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter at Nick Picoro. It's N-I-C-K-P-I-E-C-O-R-O. That's all we have time for today, Gaggle listeners. We're doing a mailbag episode later this month. Do you want the Gaggle to answer your questions about Arizona politics? If so, send us a voice memo to thegaggle at arizonarepublic.com or call our hotline at 602-444-0804. Your question just might be picked. And do you want to hear more about how the Diamondbacks are performing this season? Check out this week's Valley 101. Nick sits down with our intern producer, Logan Stanley, to hash out the Diamondbacks' success. And if you like the show please leave us a review and share it with a friend. To ensure you never miss an episode, follow The Gaggle on your favorite podcast app. You can follow me on Twitter and threads at Mary J. Pitzel, that's P-I-T-Z-L. And you can follow me on Twitter or on threads at Ronald J. Hansen, that's H-A-N-S-E-N. Soundbites in today's episode are from the MLB's YouTube page, producers Kaylee Monahan and Logan Stanley, and from NBC Sports California. This episode was edited and produced by Kaylee Monahan. 
You can follow her on Twitter at Kaylee Monahan. That's K-A-E-L-Y-M-O-N-A-H-A-N. Thanks for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. We'll see you next week.